Listener Production. Hello, Tom Tilly with you for The Briefing. And if you listened to yesterday's podcast, you'll know that for the time being, we are changing up the format of the podcast. Um, We've had some feedback that not everyone listens on the day that we post. So that means if they come for the deep dive topic, they have to scroll through the headlines to get there. So we are just trying it the other way around and we'd love your feedback on this. We make this podcast for you. So whatever works for you is going to work for us. So we've had lots of messages already. Um, Keep them coming. We want to know what you think of the format and any other suggestions you have for the podcast or the things you'd like us to get into. So in this episode, we'll have the headlines at the back end. Antoinette Latouf will be here to talk through the biggest news stories of the day. For now, though, let's get into our briefing on angry renters. Now, if you or someone you know is an angry renter, and let's face it, it's pretty easy to be angry given the conditions out there right now. Well, you have a new superhero. Now, this guy, his TikTok handle is Purple Pingers. And he has a target, Shit Rentals. Hello, welcome back to Shit Rentals of Melbourne. Today we're in Richmond. Right off the bat, I really like how we start off with, hey, there's an option for a six-month lease available. And then just a bit further down, it's like, actually, f*** you, it's 12 months. So that is Purple Pinger's full name, Geordie Vandenberg. He has over 3 million likes on TikTok for calling out Shit Rentals. And they are... Very funny and very interesting and make your blood boil all at once, which is probably why people love them. It's basically the hero that renters didn't know they needed, but definitely deserved. Geordie, thank you so much for joining us on The Briefing. When did this shit rental journey begin for you and why? It started approximately two years ago, I want to say, and it started for a couple of reasons. One, I reckon having a shitty experience with a real estate agent is a universal experience for Australians, whether that's, you know, landlords or renters or anything in between. So, yeah, that was pretty accessible. So you basically do it by looking at ads that I imagine ring alarm bells for you. Tell us how these videos come together. I think we've all been to, like, seen photos online that a real estate agent's posted, gone to something, and just it's completely different. So without going to inspect them, I kind of looked for red flags in the listings themselves because at the time in Melbourne there were just so many dodgy listings and then I started looking even further uh, like Sydney and Queensland, Western Australia, South Australia, everyone's got dodgy rental listings and yeah, just started commenting on the photos because like you're allowed to do that, that's fine. (laughs) Okay, so then you get people to actually go to the inspections and get the real pictures? So, yeah, recently um, people have been sending me places that they have been to and sent the actual photos of the of the listings, but I've been to a few places myself that are currently being rented out, so that's often when a renter is having some pretty serious trouble with their landlord uh, or their real estate agent, so they ask me to come along, so I pop in and have a look, have a film. <laughs> So you've become this like unofficial TikTok real estate watchdog. Sure, let's let's call it that. <laughs> I feel like it's getting to the point where real estate agents, if I call them, give them a right of reply on the phone, they're starting to recognise me, which is a bit awkward uh, because it means I'll never be able to rent again and they're not super jazzed with the whole situation when I'm calling them. 
Wow. Okay. Let's just go to some of the examples of the shit rentals you've seen. Talk us through some of the low lights. I went to Joe and Amber's place and there's leaks that were causing mold. It smelt. Uh, they had like four dehumidifiers going and there's just like holes in the wall and the landlord was just not doing anything about it. So I made a TikTok about it and now the landlord's doing something about it. So you're a lawyer, right? I'm admitted as a lawyer in New South Wales. I'm not practicing currently, but yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. You got legal training, which I think, you know, there's this sort of dry, humorous celebration of this absolute shitness we're all <laughs> witnessing. Yeah. Um, but there is a sort of seems to be a bit of meat on the bones when you, I guess, talk about the rights of renters and, mm. and what should really happen here. Mm. Um, Two questions. Are, are you actually encouraging people to go to tribunals and actually take formal steps to deal with this terrible practice that we witness? And, and are you wanting to see laws changed and, you know, the rights of renters improved? Yeah. So definitely uh, to the second question, definitely yes. But to the first question, I generally don't kind of encourage tenants to do anything because I don't want to be providing any advice that could be considered mm. legal advice, um, just for my own personal risk reasons, but also because of the massive power imbalance that there are between landlords, real estate agents and tenants, if a tenant pursues an action, whether that's in the tribunal or just like even complains to the real estate agent, they're likely to be evicted. And that's just like, I don't want to be like, hey, yeah, these are your rights, go chat to your real estate agent and then have someone evicted on my advice. That's not fair. Mm. So in order to address that, I'd love to see laws changed. There's very poorly drafted laws all over Australia and it's kind of pathetic, honestly. In a way, you're almost taking like this TikTok vigilante, unofficial watchdog kind of role, partly because tenants are so powerless and, and the laws aren't working. Exactly. There's no, there's no way for a tenant to do what I'm doing at the moment. I don't know what we can do. Yeah, without kind of someone making a shitty video about it, there's nothing that's going to be done, unfortunately, because the government's not really doing much. So do you see any, any hope that anything's going to improve, whether it is through those sort of official channels by smart law reforms that sort of tip the balance back in renters' favour, or even what you're doing and what other people are doing, which is talking about on social media and essentially naming and shaming, do you think that can actually have some difference? I think yes to both of those. Um, recently, I've seen uh, landlords or real estate agents send out references to previous landlords and other real estate agencies that include a question, has this person made any comments on social media that could affect the landlord's character or that kind of uh, wording? So it's like they might be prevented from getting another rental in the future if they do this, which is fantastic. But also, I think there's definitely appetite for kind of change, but there's no real movement except if we're looking at minor parties like the Greens and stuff like that. They're kind of advocating for this change and they're being really pushed back against, which is really interesting mm. because uh, these are traditionally, like we've got, you know, labouring government in most of Australia. This is traditionally the party that would be pro this kind of action. What are your policy ideas? Like there, there has been discussion of rent caps, which um, 
seems to make a lot of landlords yep. very angry. We do have this underlying supply and demand problem, but as you pointed out, our, our laws aren't strong enough in protecting the rights of tenants. Are there actually any simple ideas that could help restore the balance? What are your policy ideas? Lay out your platform. The big one is that we don't have a supply issue in Australia. We had a million and 44,000 vacant homes on the census night, which is 10% of the whole housing stock. And what we have is, it's kind of like what happened in 2022 with the gas market, where gas producers stopped supplying in order to raise the prices uh, and then would supply to provide the the gas that we needed, but at exorbitantly raised prices. So what the government did, the Australian energy market operator did, they stepped in and they were like, F- you, provide gas. You need to supply gas because you are artificially deflating supply and you can't do that. That's not allowed. It's funny because gas is not a human right. Housing is a human right. And the government was willing to step in with gas providers, but not housing providers. Okay, so that's one solution is to get the vacant properties back on the market. Correct, yeah. Any others? I feel like that would solve most of the problems. So even if we just tried that, that'd be all we need. There's other things that we can do in terms of real estate agency conduct. So, hey, don't use a photo that's 12 years old. How about you provide an actual (laughs) photo of the f***ing house that you're selling? That is already (laughs) against the law. That is misleading and deceptive conduct. So enforcing the laws that exist... 100%. 100%. But Same with rental bidding, right? Exactly. Yeah. 100%. There's no, there's no appetite to do that because you're going to piss off a donor. That's what you're going to do. Put a photo of the bathroom that you're selling up in every listing because so many places don't do that. And if there's no photo of the bathroom, the bathroom's f- That's just <laughs> like we all know that. And photo of every room that you're advertising, photo can't be more than two years old. Let's do that. That'd be great. That already kind of exists. The problem with that is... It's not in the public interest for the ACCC to prosecute a real estate agent for listing. Like, no one's going to do that because that's going to cost the government thousands of dollars to be like, hey, can the real estate agent please do their job? So that's, like, we need a a state level in each state um, kind of enforcement body to do that. Another big thing that we could do is if the government placed, like, a review board, kind of like a Google Reviews, where a renter is able to rate their landlord because we have the same the same thing exists for tenants you can the mm. every every landlord has to be asked by the new uh, agent how was that tenant how are they going so mm. we should be able to do the same thing absolutely um Jordy, last question why do you care so much about this i feel like everyone should be able to have a house over their head i feel like it's not a not a tough ask it is a human right and it's being denied to so many Australians. So I feel like, yeah, that's why I care. And it's just hypocritical in a society like this that thinks that we have good living standards, that basically people just don't have the ability to live in a house without a mouldy bathroom and pay too much rent. Exactly. It's nuts. And like you've got people like single mothers, Indigenous Australians. I've heard uh, real estate agents say, I've never rent to an Indian family or stuff like that. It's like... That is not okay in society. That We can't do that. Piss off. They don't own the house. The real estate agent doesn't own the house and they're acting like these gatekeepers for just housing. It's, yeah, it's nuts. That was Geordie Vandenberg from Shit Rentals. Search Purple Pingers on TikTok to find him. And I really think he's doing God's work for the renters here. Will it change the culture? Look, maybe, 
potentially some agents and landlords who are called out might be more ethical. And I also think he had some really solid, fairly straightforward ideas for policy changes as well. This really is a red hot issue right now. So we'll be doing more on this here on The Briefing and we'd love to hear your stories. Slide into our Instagram DMs if you've got a rental horror story or an issue you want to raise or anything you want to talk about. All right, let's get into today's big news stories. It is Tuesday, the 4th of July, and for these headlines, I'm joined by Antoinette Latouf. So, Tom, we begin with a story that just keeps getting more wild off the pitch. The Ashes cricket scandal has become a diplomatic scandal, with the UK PM Rishi Sunak weighing in on the Ashes controversy. So he's added to the pylon, accusing Australia of not playing in the spirit of cricket following Alex Carey's controversial stumping of England wicketkeeper Johnny Bairstow. So a spokesperson for Sunak has said that he wouldn't want to win a game in the manner Australia did. The Aussies won the second test by 43 runs to lead the series 2-0. The MCC has suspended three memberships pending an investigation into abuse held at the Aussie cricketers in the long room at Lords. So, Tom, this was quite an animosity-filled day, but it has more than the usual rival and, and, and passion going on. Oh, yeah, this is a massive cricket story. This is probably one of the biggest controversies since the Bodyline series in the 1930s as far as the Australian-English rivalry goes. So, yeah, they're really fired up about it, the English. Yeah, to have the Prime Minister weighing in. I'll tell you what, I don't put much weight on his words. He'll just try to say whatever's most popular. And for him to stand against yep. ben, ben Stokes's position would be a massive political risk. Um, I'm looking forward to what Albo says about this. Um, look, let's face it, it's all just tribalism. So he has to stick up for us. His Prime Minister sticks up for them and the controversy rolls on. i got to say, I am surprised how, how salty the English are about this. I mean, this was one decision and there's so much hypocrisy. They tried the same thing on us two days earlier in the test and the coach, Brendan McCallum, when he was a player, he tried the same thing as well. So um, I don't really get it. He did later Mm. apologise for that, saying that he didn't think it was in the spirit of the game, even though he'd done it. So the thing is, it's like, it's not one decision that decides a, a test match. This is five days of play. So There's so many umpiring decisions. There's so many um, mistakes and triumphs from players along the way, and they all contribute to the result. And moving on, the new national anti-corruption body has already received dozens of referrals. It only opened on Saturday, and by Sunday afternoon, it had 44 submissions. So the public and politicians can submit referrals to the watchdog, and then they'll sift through them and work out which ones to investigate. So... It's expected the submissions will include um, the Brittany Higgins settlement uh, with the federal government uh, and also um, the controversy with the consulting firm PwC. And there's an update on that one. Eight of its partners are going to leave the firm after their involvement in the tax leak scandal. Yeah. And if you're wondering who exactly can be investigated, it includes federal politicians, their staff, public servants and any group holding a third party contract with the Commonwealth. So think consultancy firm like PwC. Tom, I do wonder what 
sort of referrals they're getting? Because when it comes to tip-off lines, they usually get some interesting, if not kind of time-wasting dobbers. Um, but the NACC will have the power to tap phones and to obtain search warrants. And the NACC's new boss has also put federal politicians on notice, saying that he's going to publicly shame them if they make kind of frivolous or mm. weaponized reports and um, and waste the, the watchdog's time. Yeah, that's right. It will be easy to get a headline saying, oh, we're reporting this to the Corruption Commission. So, you know, it, it can easily be weaponized. So there does need to be some price for, you know, people making spurious referrals. And I'm just excited by how nervous um, federal parliamentarians probably <laughs> currently are. <laughs> And the Barbie movie has caused a big controversy in Vietnam. So they've banned the film because it shows a scene featuring a map and on that map it shows the South China Sea, but with China's claimed territory on the map, but not Vietnam's. So Vietnam is like one of a number of countries that contest China's claim to almost all of the South China Sea. Um, and as many of you would know, Barbie is due to release in cinemas on 20th of July, but no longer available in Vietnam. Mm. And we don't know which scene depicts this exact map, but a senior Vietnamese official has called it offensive of what is known as China's nine-dash line. Well, there's been so much publicity about this Barbie film and absolutely none of it has made me want to watch it until now. I'll be, um, I'll be keen for the map scene. That sounds very spicy. I can't believe that's what that's what gets you interested. But you know, this map—it's—it's it's not this controversial map. Um, it's been in a bunch of other animations, like *Abominable* was pulled for the same reason, *Uncharted*, the Sony action film, and oh. even um, an Aussie spy drama uh, *Pine Gap* was removed from the Vietnamese market. Um, and this, like South China Sea, um, well, this territory has been disputed by. Vietnam and the Philippines and Taiwan since World War II. So mm. it's been um, decades of territorial dispute. And I do wonder if including the map was a conscious decision. Because let's talk numbers and commercial gain because and audience reach, because Vietnam has 97 million people, so that's 97 million potential eyeballs, but then China has 1.4 billion of them. Yeah, but do you have to weigh into the South China Sea and, and choose one? Why not have both audiences and not even touch that map? Yeah, right. Yeah, probably. <laughs> They're cool. Anyway, I'll be hanging out for that scene. Maybe I'll enjoy other scenes as well. <laughs> Who knows? If, if I watch it. Will you watch it? I've already got tickets to the preview with my daughters, which is really oh. like troubling for me as a as a proud feminist. Like, why am I watching Barbie and taking my daughters to Barbie? But that's a complex and long conversation for another time. Oh, really? Why is watching Barbie against feminist values? Well, like for so long, Barbie has been, you know, the the the, the reason so many people had we females had unrealistic body expectations and mm. no doubt inspired countless eating disorders. She was a, a little a sexy little thing that was, you know, very white and very beautiful. Um, oh, there's just there's so many things that are wrong with Barbie, but she can she <laughs> continues to sell more toys than mm. any other manufacturer around the globe. But some people argue she's a feminist hero because she can do so many things right and even break stereotypes she gets new clothes and cute new jobs but her hip to waist <laughs> ratio doesn't change <laughs> all right that is it for today's episode of the briefing thank you so much keep the feedback coming um we really appreciate that and we'll talk to you tomorrow listener